0: Welcome to Brave Heart Conversations,
1: where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora, and I'm Marie Wallace, and we are your hosts today. Welcome to Brave Heart Conversations. I am Jillian Aurora, and this is my beautiful co-host, Marie Wallace. Good morning. Good morning. We're so glad you're here with us today. We go live every Thursday morning, so if you want to find any of our past episodes or join us in the future, please find our uh, Facebook group, Braveheart Conversations. That's the easiest way to find us and join our conversations. You can also find us on lots of different podcasting platforms. So if you'd like to do that, please do. And we are going to jump into our topic today, which is consent. And if you remember, this month is all about sexuality. So, we're going to be talking about consent, however, we're not just going to be talking about sexual consent, although that is a really important piece of this conversation. Really what we want to dive into is permission, consent really can be another word for permission, and um, permission is something often we are uncomfortable with requiring for ourselves, right? So. I get to require that permission is asked to access me and this doesn't just include my body it also includes my time my attention my resources like my home or my money um, my labor and my body so people get to ask permission to access these things and i don't need to give any justification for denying access i don't need to give any justification for saying no because it's mine yeah right so there's that element that is super super important and we get to relearn how to require permission be asked and there's another aspect that i find really really vital and that is we've had a hard time learning to uh, require people to ask, but we've also had a hard time learning to ask permission. So, you know, I don't need to ask permission how I choose to govern my body. And sometimes we do that, right? We ask permission instead of using our personal authority. So, there's, there are very key times to ask permission or not ask permission. But one of the times I think that we miss the shot where we really need to be asking permission is when we want to access someone else in some way. This means asking permission to access their time or their attention or their labor or their yeah. home yeah. or their money or their home or their uh, person. Yeah. We... We sometimes make the assumption that because we're in some sort of relationship with them then we're entitled to it Mm -hmm. and we get into a lot of problems this way right if I think because Marie is my friend I can just show up to her house unannounced whenever I want I'm not asking permission and I'm actually disrespecting her as a being that I'm just making an assumption that it's okay to just access her whenever i want because we're friends or if if i just assumed that because marie is my friend that um she'll feed me i was going
0: to say my pantry's open
1: (laughs) (laughs) or um Or that you'll come help me move. Oh, yeah. You know, these are all things. And you did help me move. (laughs) But you asked. (laughs) But it's asking. It's asking permission. It's not making the assumption that Marie owes that to me. Yeah. Because I'm her friend.
0: Or throwing a fit if I say no, right? (laughs) Exactly.
1: And it is also not feeling guilty if I don't want Marie to access something of mine. Yeah. So if... Um, if Marie wants to come over and I say no, because I really need rest or whatever. I don't have to have a reason. If I just am not feeling it and I say, no, thank you. Not today. I get to do that without any guilt Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And this is something that I think we have really crossed our wires, right? We are often, um, apologetic of not allowing access to ourselves while at the same time assuming we have access to someone else. Mm.
0: So where we were talking about was when someone wants access to us and we say no, and we feel that we have to give them a reason for them to feel comfortable or you don't want to hurt their feelings or you don't want to upset them or make them mad and that it's a perfectly good no is, is a good stop without any reason. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and I find that this was, this was a really hard one for me because I had to look very honestly at my tendency to lie.
0: Yeah. I was lying too. Little white lies.
1: I lied quite a bit, um, about things like Um, no, I can't have coffee with you because I have work or (laughs) I have some other event or I'm meeting with someone else and it wasn't true. I just didn't want to meet them for coffee and I was blowing them off and it was really, um, disingenuine Mm -hmm. and, I was dishonoring them and I was dishonoring me because the truth was I needed a break. Yeah. The truth was I had a really tight schedule mm-hmm. and it didn't feel good for whatever reason to go to coffee with them. I wanted that time for me. But we've been so trained to not uh, be okay with just saying, I want my own time. Duh. Yeah. Like, it's mine. But... Um, We've been so trained to say that that's selfish, that we come up with lies and reasons, and, um, and it's perfectly fine, too, to say, actually, I, I don't feel inspired to meet with you at all. Like, I just don't, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I feel like that's far more honoring than forcing yourself on a coffee outing with someone where you're just yeah. manufacturing these fake feelings and yeah. then feeling resentful that you're using your time anyway. So, I mean, that was one way um, that I was lying. I can also remember as a single person, I used to wear a fake wedding ring oh, um, so that people wouldn't bother me or I would um, have a fake boyfriend, you know, and these are lies. I mean, we, we don't like to call them I lies. I did that, yeah. But they're lies, and they're lies because we're so uncomfortable with saying no.
0: Hurting their feelings, and that their feelings were more important than our own, even.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that we're so, so terrified of somebody calling us selfish Mm -hmm. or a snob. You know, that was a big one for me. Well, if I I reject someone and I don't want to go on a date with them, then, you know, they're going to think I'm a snob, and they're going to think I'm, you know, whatever for not... Uh, not having the same reciprocated feelings and um, what a disservice I did to other people and myself by thinking they couldn't handle the truth mm-hmm. um, and and lying and feeling like well, I and you life. wouldn't
0: be trustworthy either how right. could they trust anything else if I lied about that how could they trust any other response from yeah. me that it's genuine and I'm not living in my own integrity.
1: Yeah, if you can't be honest about your no, then you also, your yes isn't trusted. Yeah, Yeah. very, very true. Um, Okay, so I do wanna dig into the dirty.
0: Okie do I want to talk about... <laughs> that's what we do here.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, I think we'd have some disappointed listeners if we didn't talk about sex exactly. because that's what they're thinking with <laughs> consent. So let's talk about access to our bodies. Let's talk about saying no. Because this is a big deal, especially in relationships and marriages where um, there is a lot of programming around feeling like it's entitled. Expectations, yeah. Yeah. And we touched on this a little bit last week, but I want to really dig into it again, where um, there's some guilt, especially in women. Uh, I think it goes both ways, but um, I've, I've heard this experience more with women where they have felt guilty um, again, really that same scenario that we just talked about, right? Where we're telling little white lies to get out of something yeah. that we don't want to do. And I think, like, I have a be, headache. Yeah. I don't feel well. Um, I'm tired. Whatever the excuse is, let your genuine no be your genuine no. And I think where we get hung up in fear is and often we're right is we have a partner who feels that is it is an assumed right to access your body and this is a problem Mm -hmm. Um, and and I want you to hear this if your partner feels that they have a right to your body and that you are not able to say no that is a them problem not a you problem the fact that they can't handle you saying no accessing your body is not your problem that's mm. theirs to work through for sure so um, I think this is where we get to we get to work out some of these old kinks because yeah. they are they are a hangover from an era where we weren't we were property allowed. yeah we weren't allowed to say no because we were we were legitimately considered property and we were not able to say no. Legally, we weren't able to say no. Because your property can't talk back. If <laughs> <laughs> you own a car, you get to drive it whenever you want. Well, that was the reality. Yeah. Not that that was right in any way. That That's very, um it's still a huge wound for mm-hmm. us to work through. But um take on a drive whenever your partner wants. Um you get to practice saying no. You get to get comfortable with the idea that it's not all about your partner's needs. Um, it's not all about your partner's desire to um, to have your body whenever they want, because it's your body. And so just like when we talked about labor before, um, you know, nobody gets to assume that because you're in relationship with them that you're entitled to that, and your body is the same. So, um, Marie, do you have something to add as far as entitlement? To your well, body? I was
0: thinking too. There's a lot of hard conversations that you have to have, and that's getting really clear um, with your partner. Um, you know, what what your need is and what your expectation is. Um, I've also thought about um, one of the things that comes up is somehow a no makes the partner feel insecure like it's them or some insecurity with them that I don't desire them or I don't um, enjoy it or whatever and then they make it a, a problem, their problem becomes my problem, or vice versa, where I feel insecure about something and I don't convey my insecurity. That my no is is just my no, right? And so going back and forth over the insecurities of what that no means, and um, having conversations about, you know you know, right at this point, this is where I'm at. And so anyway, just having those hard conversations.
1: That's such a fantastic point. That makes me think of um, a quote that I really love that is, um, if someone is angry at you for saying no, that does not mean you should have said yes.
0: Mm, that's a good. Cool. That's I a good really, quote.
1: really like that because we often do think that, right? If I say no and somebody's angry with me, then oh my gosh, you know I should have done something mm-hmm. different, and that's that voice of accommodation that's popping up that is <laughs> always. <laughs> my goodness, it's obnoxious. <laughs> it
0: is obnoxious. She comes up often, doesn't uh-huh. she? <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, just because somebody is is mad at you for denying access to you doesn't mean that they had a right. That only actually says that they feel that they had an entitlement to you. Mm -hmm. That only says that they believe deep down that they have a right to you, whether that's your time or your attention or your home or your money or your labor or your body, that if they are angry when you say no, it's because they feel that they have a right to whatever that thing was. And where we often struggle is actually the same exact idea that we believe they have a right to it. Exactly. We believe they have a right to our body. We believe that they have a right to our time and our life. We signed labor. that contract.
0: It's, it's yeah. in the contract. Or that's our thinking is somewhere in the contract. It yep. says that I that they're entitled or that I'm entitled both ways.
1: And this is where we get to decide if we want our relationships to be a transaction because they can be, or we can decide if we want them to be a partnership, but we get to understand they're two vastly different things. If you want a contract and you want a transaction, then that will look like, I will do these certain things for you, and you can do these certain things for me. And heaven forbid you deny these yeah. things because I'm giving you these things, or I'm
0: going to withhold those things. I've I've seen a lot I'll withhold of withholding. i withhold this
1: if you don't give this because this is our contract, mm-hmm. right? So that's transactional love, and that you can sign up for that. You can have that if you want. But in a partnership, when you show up for for intimacy. It's both and. If it isn't mutual, then it just isn't, right? Because that isn't intimacy. Intimacy is when two people show up, both having mutual desire. Amber says, I have a question and maybe this is not related. Okay, we are waiting. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. Ask away. Amber, Um, I'll keep going until you have your question typed out. So, um. There is a question that often pops up for people, which is, well, if it isn't transactional love, then what about um, mutuality? What about um, what about equal energy exchanges, right? And they're two different things. And I want to explain that difference because okay. what often happens is we're like, okay, I don't want transactional love. That means everything I give is freely given and it doesn't matter if I'm getting anything back. You understand oh, this? Oh, yeah. Thinking, okay, so let's address that. Not being in transactional love does not mean that you give and give and you don't require anything else. So the way this works is if my standard is equal partnership, my standard is equal contribution, it's not a matter of saying, I did this so you owe me that. That's transaction, but if I show up with that standard, I can say this is, I require mutuality. I require um, equal contribution. I'm okay. Whatever you decide to do, just know that if you want to be in this relationship with me, this is what I require. So it's not a matter of forcing or manipulating someone to do things your way. It's a matter of, of observing. It's a matter of saying, huh, I recognize I'm pouring a lot into this relationship and there aren't any deposits going into this bank account. There's only uh, withdrawals. withdrawals. <laughs> so when I observe that, it's not a matter of saying, hey, I put all these uh, all this money in the account and you're not putting any in. It's a matter of observing. I'm interested in nourishing this relationship. This person isn't and that doesn't meet my standard. And therefore I need to let this relationship go, which is really hard. And and I'm not saying you don't have a conversation and say, look, I'm observing, I'm putting in a lot. Yeah. What Where are you at? What What's happening with you? And perhaps they're perhaps their response is, oh my gosh, yeah. Let me I start, wasn't even aware. Yeah, yeah, maybe I need to start making some um, deposits. However, if that's a pattern, like you really just get to acknowledge people's true colors. And again, this isn't a matter of making someone bad and wrong. Mm-hmm. This is a matter of saying, oh, this just isn't a match for me because this doesn't fit a standard. That's entirely different than having a transaction where you're constantly in this push-pull like I did this you owe me that mm-hmm. very very different energy yeah.
0: before we go to that question I just want to add just a little piece to that mm-hmm. it also means knowing where your definite line is worse because there's been those situations where someone will say I will do better I will do better and then the better never comes so just knowing where your line is on you know, if they say that they're going to, you know, step it up and they don't after a certain amount of time, that might be a, a good indication that you need to reevaluate.
1: Yeah, definitely. Always, always observing people's true colors in their actions. What they're
0: Yeah, in their actions. Is so much. Not more just with lip service. Yep.
1: Yeah. Than their words. Yep. Okay, so Amber says, I'm going through a divorce, and my ex will grab my body and say he can because he still owns me. Mm. He says this is a joke, but this comes from the same person that would never be intimate when we were together as he got it from other sources. This behavior really triggers me, and I always tell him to stop and leave the room, but how do I stop him from doing it when we are around each other as no matter what I say to him doesn't stop? or laughs at me when I tell him I'm uncomfortable. Okay, so Amber, this is assault. It is straight up sexual assault. So you have every legal right to pursue him. You have every right to call the police and it's not a matter of telling him to stop. It's a matter of saying you're committing a crime and you will stop or the police will stop you and you will be prosecuted for it. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. That's okay. assault no one is allowed to assault you even if you were still married to this man he's not allowed to do that if you tell someone no and you say stop no one is entitled to touch your body period period so um, I'm so glad that this question came up because this is a perfect example, such a perfect example, where we often truly to our core believe that we aren't entitled. Some We truly believe that we have to put up with someone treating ourselves in that way. And I know women who are literally that's, you know, not just someone grabbing them, but literally having sex with them as a partner in their marriage. And they're saying no, and they're, they're coerced into doing it anyway, Yeah. because we have so deeply believed that we don't own our bodies. We have so deeply believed that we can't do anything about it if someone chooses to assault us. Mm-hmm. And Amber, the law is there to protect you. Thanks. Thankfully. Yeah,
0: because it wasn't too long ago when it didn't protect us.
1: In the 90s, it was still legal for men to rape their wives. 30 years still ago. Still legal. That's in my lifetime. That's that's so crazy to me that that uh, still existed still was legal yeah. Um. so we do have some recourse now and Amber you should be uncomfortable yeah. you should be uncomfortable when someone sexually assaults you it's not meant and to that, feel yeah. good because it's wrong because it's a violation of your um your physical authority yeah. right that's your body and no one no one deserves to touch that body except you and whoever you give like very uh, overt permission to access you. If it does not feel good, you get to say no and have you know no apology about that. Do
0: you have a follow up
1: question? Yeah, I would love to hear yeah. um, any follow up thoughts more. you have. Um, man, but what's it? That's such a great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a
0: good question for this topic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's even more complicated when we are married to the person because there's still so much of that lingering belief system that we do owe them, mm-hmm. right? Um, I remember being taught that as a child that your your husband owns you and you own yeah. him and that whole ownership mentality that can just get really toxic because then when you do get, go to say no, um, that's not acceptable because they really believe that they own you. Yeah. Um, I used to feel that way, and I know other people, many, many, many women, have expressed that same feeling. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's rare to find a woman who hasn't been sexually coerced, it's pretty close to a hundred percent, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's normalized, mm-hmm. it's very much normalized. Um, and this is where you know, on both sides, we get to be we get to level up and be more clear. So we get to be more clear about not giving permission when we don't want to, because we aren't always very clear because we're still feeling guilty about it. Right. Mm -hmm. We're still feeling guilty for saying no. Um, and, and we, we get to get better at asking permission. Mm -hmm. So whichever side of that coin you fall on where You know, you're assuming you have access where you don't. You get to back the fuck up and ask permission. Or on the other side of the coin, you get to demand that permission is asked. Preach it. (laughs) Anything to add to body? No, that was
0: straight up. Straight up good information.
1: Okay. Amber, I don't see any. Oh.
0: Yeah, it's the same. Okay. Oh, it's confusing because he's it's so It's confusing
1: well loved. because he is so well-loved at work and with his friends, and it makes me question if I take things wrong, and his friends tell him I'm just uptight and a tricky bitch. So I appreciate you validating how I feel. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to speak to this um, because this is really... Um, it's a good follow-up. Oh, uh, It's heartbreaking at the same time as, like, it's just a really needs to be talked about um, powerfully. So, often abusers have a good reputation at work, with friends, at church, um, being congenial and admirable. And- we often think of abusers as monsters and it couldn't be further from the truth and it actually really harms us to think of them this way. When we think of abusers as monsters, we actually are distancing the the very real character, the very real person who commits crimes and is very abusive. Um, They couldn't be that way because we all know abusers are monsters. Well, actually, no. um, Pretty much any abuser I have ever met is also a kind person. Um, Every abuser I've ever met has done kind things and is, you know, has
0: other other
1: characteristics that people love. They're funny or they're generous or... um, they're They're kind in other ways. That doesn't mean they're not abusive, right?
0: They can be very charismatic.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: the devil can be handsome,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and charismatic, right? That's how they lure you, <laughs> yeah, And I will also speak to the idea that um they're calling you names. This is actually a really classic way to continue abuse. i I've called That's out how many they hold times. power over us, oh, totally. Yeah. and Really, I'm just being a victim to my good girl voice, that's what I call her. But um, my good girl voice is often telling me, you know, you're selfish, you're a snob, you're too demanding, you're unrealistic, uh, you're a killjoy, you're a buzzkill. I mean, there's just like, there's so many, right? And I am only a victim to those thoughts or, or those words from other people if I somewhere in me believe that that is true, and I am being a bitch to that good girl voice in my head, when I can turn around, this is this is the reframe that has been really helpful for me, and I hope it will be helpful for you, Amber. Um, when someone calls me, I think I posted about this the other day, uh, when someone calls me a buzzkill, because this happened once when I kicked someone out of my home for um, drinking all sorts of alcohol, and it was it was an obnoxious situation, but he, uh, he was violating a house rule I have, which is no substances in my home. And you know, uh, the name calling came when I told him he needed to leave and he said I was a buzzkill. And instead of trying to defend myself and all the ways that I'm not a buzzkill and I'm actually really fun and blah, 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 right? Instead of that, I said, you are absolutely fucking right. I'm a buzzkill. It
0: takes the power right out of them. It does. (laughs) They don't know what to say to that. And
1: it was true. In that moment, in that context, guess what? I am a buzzkill for anyone who wants to drink alcohol in my home and have have a little party. I'm a total buzzkill and I'm good with that. I don't mind being a buzzkill in my home for people who want to violate my rules. And his opinion didn't matter. Yeah, so here's the thing, Amber, and this is fucking gold for you. When you realize that the people who call you tricky bitch and uptight and prude and whatever else they want to call you, when they are repelled by you and they hate you, I want you to recognize that you want the right people to hate you. Mm Those people are not people who want to treat you well. And they're not your people. They're not your people. They are totally fine with sexual assault because that's what they're doing and that's what they're defending. Do you want them to like you? I don't want those people to like me. I celebrate now when people are are rejecting me, are repelled by me. If they're offended by me having boundaries, by me having standards, holla fucking luya! I finally cracked the code, right? Because I was trying to get everyone to like me. But the thing is, if everyone likes you, that means all the abusers like you. That means all the people that really have no problem harming you are also there. And they think you're a great person, right? I don't want them to think I'm a great person. I have no problem with them thinking I'm the biggest bitch in the world because they don't want to mess with the biggest bitch in the world. That's how you
0: stop abuse.
1: It is exactly how you stop abuse because they can spot me a mile away and they don't want anything to do with me. But the people that are loving, kind people, they don't mind me having standards.